Um, if you would, turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we'll start there. And uh, we'll just continue on this, this issue. And so then, if we look here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, and this is the verse that we've used as kind of the jumping off point uh, for this series, <clears throat> to get an idea of how we're made and how things work, all right? First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to study your word. We're thankful that it's been preserved throughout the years and ages that we can have it. We can study this information that we can come to a greater knowledge and appreciation of it. Um, but it not just be something that we know, but it actually becomes life. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so a few of the things that we've been talking about going through this, uh, going through these issues, um, you've got spirit, soul, body. Last time we ended up, um, go real quick to Genesis. And I just want to remind ourselves of some of the, some of the issues that, that we've dealt with. Genesis chapter 2. Uh, we'll start in Genesis chapter 2 uh, and take a look at some of these issues, and then we're going to continue on with, with what we've dealt with. Um, we, we have dealt with the fact that the spirit and the soul are completely different from one another, right? Uh, we've also looked about the fact that the body is the vehicle through which or by which we are able to connect with the world and be able to relate to one another and it is the vehicle of your spirit and your soul um, we've talked about the issue that your spirit is where you reason um, your soul is where you believe and then your body is where you react all right and so knowing knowing some of those things that's one of the main things that we want to be able to get because we'll see those things as we go through. Um, when, we, when we notice here in Genesis chapter 2, notice, <clears throat> notice in verse 16, verse 15, it says, And the Lord God took the man and put him in, into the Garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. Now pause there for a second. <clears throat> when, you think about, when you think about what's going on, what did God do with Adam? God created the heaven and earth, right? We know that in chapter 1, um, we see that there's some issues that's going on there, and God reforms, and he starts placing in the earth different things. And we get to day 6, and what he does is he creates man. And you look back up at verse 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils, the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So right there you've got body, spirit, and soul. Now, that's another one of those things that we can tell that there is a difference between spirit and soul by looking at those. What God does is he said, and notice in verse 8, and the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. 
the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So what you notice here, the very beginning is God creates man and places man in this garden, right? And it's a, it's a completed, perfect creation. And God places man there as perfect. And what's he, what's he asked him to do in verse 15? And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to what? To dress it and to what? Keep it. So really what you're looking at there is what? I want you to take care of this. Guard it. Keep it. Dress it. Take care of it. Do what you need to with it. And understand what's going on here is God takes man and places him in a perfect creation and says, dress it and keep it. That's it. Right? Verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden, thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now we've gone through and looked at this. What happens is you get over to chapter three and what takes place? Satan shows up, convinces Eve to take part in that fruit. And then Eve turns around and says, Adam, go ahead and eat this. And what's he do? Exactly what he's not supposed to do. Did God guarantee that the day that he eats thereof, he's going to die? Yes. Did Adam die that day physically? No. But there was a spiritual death that took place that day where he is now separated from God. And God says he sets up this issue of how to get back into relationship, if you will, with the creator of heaven and earth. And you see that with the coats of skins and he clothed them over in chapter at the end of chapter three. So one of the things that we've talked about before is go real quick to Ephesians chapter two. And I just want us to be able to see, see these things so we can understand them a little bit clearer <clears throat> there's a death that takes place in genesis with the fall of man in ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 and you hath he quickened who were what dead in trespasses and sins so when we talk about this issue of the spirit as an unsaved person our spirit is dead wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience now we talked about it last few times over here you've got the earth right the world and we've gone through the verses over in james and over in first john how is it that the world works well lust of the flesh lust of the eyes and the pride of life Right? And we've gone through that and talked about that. So that's the course. How's the course work with the world is what? I'm going to start here. And that's where the world goes. It's the lust of the flesh. That's how it's going to work. That's how we used to walk prior to our salvation. Now, when you look at verse 1, he says, And you hath he, what's that next word? quicken what's that mean to be made alive 
to giving life to. So what happens is the moment that you trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, your spirit is now not dead, but it is alive. All right? Now, let's go through some other verses. Chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding, what? Where is it that you really understand is here? Your spirit is dead, your soul is darkened, and what he's talking to, or who he's talking to here is what? He's talking to save people and saying, save people. I, this I say, therefore, and testify that the, uh, in the Lord that ye henceforth from this point on walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Well, vanity is what? Just emptiness. That's this stuff over here. Just empty. When you talk about, when you talk, when you, and again, this is one of those things, when we go to talk to people, we need to know who we're talking to and how, how we're dealing with them. Because we're going to deal with them slightly different based on the things that we know about them. Right? <clears throat> Notice, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Now, that's the position. You read verses 17, 18, and verse 19 there. What do you find out? That's how you used to live. That's how the world works. That's what living in this world will produce is that right there. And Paul is saying to save people, don't walk that way. Now, you stop and you think about that. Is it possible for a saved person to walk in the vanity of their mind? Yes. Is it possible for a saved person to walk as if their understanding is darkened? Yes. Is it possible for a saved person to live their life as if they're alienated from the life of God? Yes. Is it possible for a saved person to live as if they have a blindness of their heart? And is it possible that they can be past feeling and give themselves over to lasciviousness and uncleanness and the greediness? And the answer is yes. And what Paul's saying is, don't live that way. You used to live that way, and you didn't even know it. But now you're starting to deal with some stuff because you see some differences here. And you got to make sure that we pay attention to those differences, right? Now, go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I know a lot of these verses we're going to spend a lot of time on as we continue on. But here's what's taking place. <clears throat> In Ephesians or 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, he gives us an example of some folks. And we'll talk about the, the, these folks a little bit more um, in the morning message. But verse 14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So what's uh, dead, darkened, and depraved? We'll, we'll pause here real quick. In Romans chapter 2, Romans chapter 4, Paul brings up Abraham. He says, what is it that Abraham hath found, our father, 
hath found according to the flesh. Well, what did he find out about the flesh? The flesh can't do anything, right? So the flesh can't produce any good at all. That brings up a whole bunch of things. What's all religions based on? Fixing this by doing good. And what's God say about that? About Abraham says, you can't. So we find out the body is depraved. Now, when we look here, what that person is called a dead, darkened, depraved person, Paul calls that the natural man. And it doesn't take long before you have a conversation to find, find out where people are, spiritually speaking. Now, when we look at this, that's that issue. That's who we used to be. That's how we lived our life. Was that way right there, and we didn't even know it. But we tried to understand things that God was doing. But what's that verse say? But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he what? Know them. So this natural man, we talked about last time, natural man says what? If I can't see, taste, touch, smell, hear God, then he doesn't exist. The reason why is because he can't know the things of God because they're spiritually discerned, which means what? You got to have his spirit to discern what God's doing so you can learn. If you don't have him, you're never going to learn. But is it possible, and we'll talk about this this morning, is it possible for a saved person to not live based upon what the Spirit is teaching? The answer is yes, and we'll talk about that this morning. But let's keep on going here. Uh, Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse, we'll just jump in here, verse 21. Again, I'm wanting to just set up some issues here. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Now, this is taking us back to prior to Genesis chapter 12, right? This takes us back historically to the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis. But also, it takes us back even farther you could even say, really, it starts to take place in the garden, right? Notice, neither were they thankful, but, and I, and I want you to notice that next word. It, it says what? Became vain. That means they weren't to begin with, but they became vain in their imaginations. And that's that issue of their imagination are just... You remember when they're building the tower and God says, let us go down and confuse the language? Because why? No matter what they can imagine, they're going to be able to do. And it confounds them by the language and that prevents them from doing the things that they imagine to do. And then finally, he says what? And their foolish heart was what? Darkened. Now, one of the things we talked about with the spirit, the soul, and the body, with the spirit... <clears throat> Your mind and the soul, you have the heart. Now, where is it that they're darkened is where? Their foolish heart was darkened. We can go back to Acts 14 and do some stuff with that, but for time's sake, we're not going to. Verse 22, what happens? Professing themselves to be wise, 
Again, notice, they became fools. Verse 23, And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up. And it's interesting, you look at that and it says, Wherefore God also gave them up. You read that and automatically you should think what? Well, who was given up first? They gave God up and God says, well, I'm going to give you up also. Right? Because that's what took place. To uncleanness, to the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. And you go on down through there. Um, Romans chapter 6. <coughs> Romans chapter 6, <clears throat> verse 6. Um, also, go ahead and grab Colossians. Go ahead and grab Colossians chapter 2. Romans chapter 6 and Colossians chapter 2. <clears throat> Notice, notice a couple of things here real quick. Romans chapter 6. Now, of course, who he's talking to here in verse 1, he says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So who's he talking to? He's talking to saved individuals. Notice in verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is what? crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth we should not serve sin now if you drop down to verse 17 well verse verse uh verse 14 notice well really what i want is 13 let's do it that way verse 13 neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin you know what we did our entire life before we got saved is we yielded every instrument of this of this body as what? To sin. We just did it. And we just did it and we didn't think anything else of it. And it's one of those things. <clears throat> and and, and we'll, we'll, we'll see this a little bit more as we continue on. A person that doesn't know they need salvation will never look for it until they know they need it. And what happens is, we today ourselves, we don't, we don't seek God for certain things until we need it. So one of the biggest things that we need to be able to do is let people know that here's where you stand. You need something and you can't provide it. Because... We were going around, they were, we, they were too, according to these verses, and they were yielding their members as instruments of, of unrighteousness. Verse 14, for sin, for sin shall not have dominion over you. Have you ever stopped and thought about that, that part of that verse before? Sin shall not have dominion over you. We are no longer under the power of, of sin. So then why do we do it? Because we choose to. 
And that also means that we can also what? Choose not to. And we have the power and the ability to do that because it doesn't control us anymore. And that, that's a wonderful truth to know. Why do we know that? For you're not under the law, but under grace. Do you know what the law will do? It's put you back under that dominion. In fact, it's interesting. You go down through chapter 7, and he brings up this issue, and he says, what did the law do? The law tricked me into thinking that I need to do something, and I did it, thinking that I was doing something good. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Answer, God forbid. Know you not that to whom ye yield yourselves, servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. And again, he's talking to saved individuals and says, choose world's wisdom or God's wisdom. Choose. Every moment of the day. Every time something pops up, you have a choice. Friday, it's interesting this came up. Friday, Friday, uh, we've got a senior in our, our class this year. I had him when he was a freshman. Um, his brother was supposed to graduate I think from UK on Friday. So he leaves He leaves our school at noon to go to his brother's graduation. His brother took his life. And so then seventh period in class, some kids start asking me, it's like, does God have a plan for things? Because that's what the Calvinistic folks around here say is, well, God's got a plan for it. And then you start thinking, well, if that's true, then... God made him take his life, and that's not what took place. And I said, everything we do has a consequence. Every decision we make has a consequence, and it doesn't just affect us. It affects other people too. And what God has chosen to do, he's going to do something, but every little minute detail of your life, he doesn't make you do. And the interesting thing is, and I had a chance to talk to this kid about this, was God knows what would have happened had the kid not taken his life. And he also knows what would happen if the kid did take his life. But that doesn't mean he caused it. So he goes to this brother's graduation at UK, and that's where they find out. Because something was going on with that. And I don't know if he was, I don't, like they were saying that his graduation was, I wasn't sure if he's going to graduate. I don't know what it was. But you look at that and you're like, Here's a kid, he's, got, he's going to graduate high school in three weeks, then he's going to go to the Army, and his brother just took his own life, his older brother. And you look at that and you say, but that's this. We choose, and choices have consequences. Every moment of our life, we have choices, and those choices have consequences, but we have to take the responsibility of those choices. Now, what did Adam and Eve do? They didn't take the responsibility of it, right? You remember that? We talked about that. But here he's saying in verse, verse 16, choose who you're going to obey. In verse 17, here's, here's, the, real, here's the real kicker of it because this, this starts to introduce the issue. Verse 17, but God be thanked that ye were, past tense, the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the what the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you now we've talked about this before 
Here, you can have understanding. Oh, my bad. Here, you can have knowledge. I know some stuff, right? How is it that you obey that form of doctrine is what? You have to what? You believe it. You trust it. Trust what? That knowledge that you have. Where's that knowledge come from? What's he say? Notice that form of sound doctrine. Do you know what that tells me? That God's word out here. There's a form to it. There's a structure to it. Right? And it's not just doctrine, but it's sound doctrine that has a form to it. And if we want God's word to build up in our soul, because that's where it matters, what do we have to do is we have to find the structure. You remember in 1 Corinthians 3 where Paul says, I've laid the foundation. Take heed how ye build thereupon. You're God's building. You're God's husbandman. You're working together with what God's doing. And what are we doing is we're creating based on the form. Well, the problem is, if we've got the wrong form, what's going to be created in you? Bad doctrine sometimes. And bad doctrine is going to lead you to what? Possibly go back over here and try to gain God's god's favor by doing something right and we see that but notice it's this it's and we you know we've said this before and it's interesting i heard i heard this i heard this yesterday i was listening to some stuff it's 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 an old message but i was listening to to a thing There are a lot of folks who are dispensational. They know right division. We're the body of Christ, not the nation of Israel. We have a rapture. We're not waiting on the second coming. We don't baptize. We have a spiritual baptism. We don't tithe. We can give how we want. We don't this, but we can this, right? We know mystery. We know prophecy. We know these things. So there's a lot of, we know some stuff, but it's, it's interesting to me, and this was a person outside of this. A lot of dispensational people, but not a lot of grace people. They say stuff, but they don't believe it. And I was like, that's, that's a pretty bold statement coming from somebody that's not in mid-acts dispensationalism, that they see this. And a lot of times I see this a lot of times. It's just like there's not a lot of grace among grace people. <clears throat> well, no, there's not a lot of grace among dispensationalists. <laughs> we see the difference there. We can know a bunch of stuff, and I can tell you I can run verses all day long. But if it doesn't change your life, who cares? And we've said that before, right? Knowing a bunch of stuff doesn't really matter if you don't use it. If you don't what? Believe that form of doctrine that was delivered to you from the what? From the heart. Moving it from 
this point to this point for it actually become something because this over here won't do anything with that except what? Puff up the head. If we skip this part, and like I said, that's a pretty good that's a pretty good idea from somebody that's not even in mid-axis. They just noticed this. I'm like, that's a pretty good observation. And I will say, I've been here a whole lot more than I've been here. But thank the Lord, we're moving a little bit more this way. And that's our goal with this. That's our whole goal with this, with this, with this series, with the series we're doing on, on the, the Sunday morning as well, is we want to move from we know some stuff just to tell people we know some stuff. And I, when we were up in Chicago last weekend, they had a pastor's panel, and they had me up there, and one of the questions was, um, I forget exactly what it was, but, but I was like, I used to getting fights on Facebook. I enjoyed it. I lost a bunch, but that's okay. But then I got to thinking, that does nothing except build me up. And I got to the point, I was like, do I actually believe this stuff or not? Just because I know it doesn't mean that it's actually going to work in my life. When Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, it's the word of God which effectually worketh in those that what? Know it? No. Believe. How is God's word going to work in your life is by you trusting it. Every single moment of every single day, how do we make decisions? We don't make decisions based on, well, this should be, this should work out pretty good for me. We make decisions how? Based upon knowing some verses and applying those verses to a particular time. And as we've said before, if we don't know the verse, what do we need to do? Go find one. And all of it should be the basis of 2 Corinthians 5 and 7. Walk by faith, not by sight and faith isn't just well i'm going to go and see what happens and i'll just believe that god will fix it <laughs> that's how i grew up just believe whatever god will fix it that's not what he'll do that's not faith faith's not some nebulous thing that you can't attack it's do you trust in the do you trust the words because notice what happens but god be thanked that ye were the servants of sin but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which delivered unto you. Why were they no longer servants of sin? Is because they trusted. They obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. Do you know how to get this thing to do what God wants it to do? Is we've got to know the form. We've got to know the sound doctrine. We've got to know how it works. But we've also got to what? Believe that it will work. That it will actually produce what God's promised that it would produce. You know, when we read in Romans 15 where it talks about the fact that these things were written aforetime, that we through patience and comfort of the learning might have hope. When we read, and I, I say this every Wednesday night, <clears throat> almost every Wednesday night, when we read Old Testament scriptures and we know some differences between prophecy and mystery, do we know that God will perform the things for the nation of Israel that he's promised them? Yes. So then when we read something that God says, I've done this for you, we, because we know that he's faithful to his word, what do we do? 
I can trust in what God says because he's faithful to his word. And if he's promised something to me, I know he's done it for the nation of Israel, so he'll do it for me. He's not going to do the same things that he's done for the nation of Israel because he's doing something different with us. But we can look at that and say, he's done this, he's promised this, and it's come to pass. We can too. Right? And that's exactly what happens. He says, being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in, th in those things thereof, whereof ye are now ashamed? I mean, you, you look at that stuff, and what is that? What's the fruit? Notice, for the end of those things is death. Now, is that talking about a physical death, a spiritual death? No, the issue that he's getting into is we can, pre we can prevent God's word from working in us the way he's designed it to produce in us, and our life becomes, as far as service goes, it's death. That's a scary thought. Now, how do we do that? Well, you stop and you think, what did Adam, or what did Adam and Eve do? It, God tells them what? Don't eat of the fruit. What's Eve do? She goes and eats of the fruit. Did she take the doctrine that was given to her and trust it? No. She wasn't positive toward the, the doctrine. That was that issue, right? She was negative towards what he told her. And what happened is death. Now, when we talk about this, and he really gets into this in chapter 7, he's dealing with functional death. We can't, if we're not taking what we know and believing it and have it form in us, and we'll talk about that a little bit more, it will produce in this body what God's promised that it would produce. But if we start here, and skip this, what's it actually going to produce is what? Death. You're going to be functionally dead. You can't function the way that God's designed us to function. And you stop and you think about that, and you're like, that's not a good thing. And oftentimes when we look at life, and I, this is stuff that I've done, so I'm, I'm speaking to myself on this too. There's oftentimes we go back here, and act like a natural man thinking that we're doing something good because we've convinced ourselves we're saved and what we're thinking is good, so let's go and do it. And we don't have one verse that we can go to to get that. And we, you know, we look at those things, we got to pause, take a step back, and think about this. So as we're going through, and we've done this before, it's the intake of God's Word that we can know his knowledge, his wisdom. And when we take that knowledge and by our own will choose to believe that's true for us in our heart, what happens is we're no longer darkened, but we now have light. And what that's going to do is produce what? 
It's going to produce fruit. Who's producing the fruit, by the way? The Holy Spirit is. In Galatians 5, when it says the fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit's the one producing the fruit, not us. But you've got religious people who know a bunch of stuff, they've never believed it, and they're saying, we're going to look for your fruit. And if it's not tithing, <laughs> if it's not going down to Bolivia or wherever, you know, you mean you never, they start looking at those things. Well, your car, your car didn't start. You might not be living right. Yeah, that's what they do. You got the fruit inspectors. The majority of the folks around here that I've dealt with, that's what they're looking for. And you know why? Because they're Calvinists and they think if I'm doing good things, that means I'm one of the elect. And they're looking at what they've done to say whether or not they're saved. And they're looking at the outward thing. The fruit of the Spirit is about the inner. Mm-hmm. They're completely even like in the wrong ballpark. Yeah. And it's all based, they, they know some stuff. They know Bible. But they're over here trying to find it, and they've skipped the important part. And they're trying to tell people, we're going to go look at this. This will tell us if you're saved or not. Because you don't, in their system, Calvinistic system, you don't know if you're saved until you get there. And it's all based on what? What I've accomplished, what I've done, my fruit. <laughs> you look at that and say, they, they just, they, there's a whole bunch of stuff that takes place that just they miss out on. And you feel sad for them because cause they're, they're just going around pretending unfortunately um but i wanted us to be able to see again this stuff the the differences there um there's so many other things i want to get to um your will is a function of your soul and you choose to walk in line with what the verses say, or you choose not to. That's what it comes down to. Um, but of course, again, it's got to start Second Corinthians five seven. Do we actually walk by faith? Do we? And it's not. Well, I'm just believing God's going to do this. That's not what faith is. Faith is a non non meritorious system of perception. I always loved that 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 definition. You know what that means? means you have no merit in yourself. The merit's in the one in whom you believe and in what you believe. There's no merit in you believing. The merit's in the one that you're believing you're trusting in. So when you trust in the, when you trust in the scriptures, whose merit are you trusting in is the one who created the scriptures, which is God. And it's, yeah, you look at that stuff and you're just like, that's amazing because it takes... All the all the pressure off you to perform, and it's just rest in who you are. Every religious system out there says perform, 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 perform. And there's churches that'll say you're saved by grace, but now go perform, 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 perform. And what they've done is they've functionally they they've committed functional murder as, as far as your as your life goes because. They're holding you back from knowing who you are in Christ 
and you're going to be functionally dead and you're not going to be able to produce the life that God's word will produce because you're going to try and do this stuff over here, which is how the world works. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It's the show of the flesh. That whole that whole part there is mixed, is missed because one, they don't see those two things being different. So they miss this whole part here, and they go from I know some stuff, so that's gonna create fruit just by my knowing it. That happens a lot. That's what most religion is. And it it stunts your growth. As we're going through Matthew 12, the whole goal for Satan is to stunt the growth of the nation of Israel so they won't actually perform the way that God's asked them to perform. And he's doing the exact same today for the body of Christ. He's stunting the growth of the, of the body of Christ so they won't perform how they can perform. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And that's why I would say, Paul says, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. We're not. We shouldn't be. How's he going to work? He's going to he's going to try and put up a another authority that competes with God's authority and says, this is the one that's true, not the one that you have. And it's, you're not enough. You can't perform. You know, one of the things that's that's best about that is, is say, I can't. Christ lives in me, will though. And it's not me. But what it does is, you th when somebody says you can't do anything, what's the world tell you to do? Prove them wrong. Go do it. Most athletes today, I was told I couldn't do this. Here I am. I made it to the NFL draft. I've... I've <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And by performing stuff, it's showing what you're believing hard Yeah. When it shows up in your life, I've believed hard. So here's what happens is, what happens is, you've done that. I've not. You're, you're a better Christian than I am. Or you would say, well, I'm a better Christian than you because you've not had it happen. And that, that's that, and you get on that treadmill and you can't get off. And the verses come along and say, get off the treadmill. The work's done. It's completed. Go find out that you're complete in him and just rest in who he's made you. It takes, takes all that stuff off. It is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've all been there. At some point in our lives, we've either thought we're better than or we're not as good as. And Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look at that stuff, and what's Paul say to the folks in Corinth is comparing yourselves among yourselves is not wise. So you got to be careful of that stuff. And that's exactly what religion today does. So, all right. <clears throat> we're going to stop there.